Amen. Thank you, band. I tell you, that's um, you can be seated. Uh, uh, that's not only just good lyrics on the page, that is good theology. That God would take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. That shows the omni- omnipotence of God. And no matter what you're going through, uh, God is still in control. <laughs> he still has all power. He's not backed up or lost power. He's not worried about your current situation. He's in full control. Amen. And uh, I tell you, it, it may take years. It, I'm still working on it myself. But once we get there, get there knowing that we're not in control of our own life, Bojangles. Is that amen or what? Amen. We're not in control. Um, he's in control. Amen. We're going to lean into that today. I appreciate you being here. Welcome to Connection Church. My name is Patrick. And I, I can't uh, even start without thanking again uh, Pastor Michael uh, for allowing me to share the pulpit with him. Uh, he was uh, already committed to be uh, in North Carolina for a uh, wedding preparations and all for, for a friend. And so I uh, appreciate him setting this up and allowing uh, me to share in the series Undivided. I don't know about you, I've been helped as the church. Anybody else been getting help from Undivided, 1 Corinthians? Yeah, excellent, absolutely. Yeah, and, and me too. And I, I just love being able to uh, dive into the uh, wisdom and the authority of Scripture and to see that even though Paul didn't write this to us, he most certainly wrote it for us. Amen? And today, in, in 2022, I, I, I'm almost, Paul, I'm almost done counting the years because I keep wanting to say 2021 or 2020. The years are just flying by quicker and quicker. But 2022, uh, the Bible is still relevant today. Amen? For your need, for my need, for our situation, for our growth, for the future of God's success as a church, uh, we need His Word, right? And so anyway, I'm just thankful to be here with you guys. Uh, my name's Patrick. Most of you uh, have, have heard me. If you're not, um, I'm church plant resident here, not church planter. I've never planted a church, all right? I hadn't done that yet, but we're trying to uh, with the help of the network. Uh, we were so excited to join team uh, joined the network's team back in October, uh, come alongside Pastor Mike and the team here, uh, which is so incredible, because uh, he can be out of town, and guess what? Church still happens. Uh, everything don't, don't get the brakes put on him just because one man's away, and so I'm so thankful for the New Testament church. You're doing it. You're living it. God's called us to change eternity. He's doing the changing, but a lot using us to change eternity, and don't you dare forget that. So anyway, I, I just love that. Uh, God burdened me and my wife with church planning uh, just really years and years ago, back even as far as Bible college, but he started maturing that a few years back, and uh, we're excited. We announced the beginning of the year, but we're excited to be uh, targeting uh, Richmond Hill, the Richmond Hill area. Um, it's just experiencing tremendous growth, uh, and so we just feel the Lord. We want to get ahead of that and try and help. Uh, met with a dear friend of mine uh, Thursday in the ministry, and he's, that's his hometown, and he rode me around and just went through kind of church uh, temperature and what he sees in the area. And, and I'm just saying this, if, if we planted five churches there tomorrow, it wouldn't be enough. We wouldn't reach everybody. So we need churches there, need churches here in Savannah area, need them everywhere. And, and church planting, uh, hear me right, is always gospel-centered, always evangelical, always pointed at the lost, or it's not church planting, right? It's just recycling Christians. Uh, and we're not interested in appeasing the people that are mad at their old church, right? We want to reach those who are unchurched, who've never heard the gospel. Uh, and, and I've worked in, in student ministry and kids ministry long enough to know that we got kids growing up, have no idea the Jesus that me and you know. 
right? They have no idea of the God of the Bible. They are, they are totally lost. Uh, they want to know, though. They would love to know if someone would share it, and that's the generation coming up. And so we want to be ready for that. We're excited to, to lock arms with you guys and to, uh, to move in that direction. Uh, I'll just be honest, a little transparent before we jump into the, the text. Uh, I'm, I'm nervous. Jay, I'm, I'm just kind of scared. I, I don't like using the term scared. It's not a faith word. But the last time I felt like this, I think me and my wife were, were moving from Augusta to Effingham. This was 13 years ago. We were moving down, and uh, poor thing, she's pregnant, following me in the U-Haul truck. Uh, and I mean, uh, Trevor, it wasn't even a 26 footer, right? It was a shorty because we didn't have much back then. And we got the U-Haul loaded. Uh, my beta fish, like I let out as much water as I could. I mean, that dude's like swimming sideways in the U-Haul truck so it doesn't slosh around. And my chihuahua's sitting in, the, in my lap. Uh, and we're just cruising down Highway 17 uh, out of faith. And I was scared. My, I mean, my knuckles were holding the steering wheel just like, Lord, am I doing what's right? Am I doing what's right? And, uh, you know, and looking back, man, God has been so good. God has provided. And, uh, and I feel that way now. And don't you judge me because of my chihuahua, okay? All right? Listen, I'm just buying time. I didn't gave my wife four kids. Like, she's got a house. Like, I'm giving her all she wants because I'm trying to reel her in to get me another chihuahua, right? Uh, you're, not, you're not a real man unless you've had a chihuahua or you're currently in the process of seeking one out, all right? I need to see your man card and check the validation if you don't have a chihuahua. Uh, or at least a dog smaller than 10 pounds. We'll take any, any small dogs. But uh, anyhow, no, seriously. Uh, but, but I love the anticipation uh, because even though it's kind of nervous walking into uncharted territory, at least for us, um, I know God's going to provide. And what's exciting is I can't wait to watch him do it. He's already done it. Uh, I could just wait, take, take the whole time and, and tell you that. But I want to honor what I've been asked to do. And so if you would, go with me to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians um, if you're like me, you didn't grow up in church, you have no idea where that is. That's in the New Testament. Uh, and you kind of calm through the Gospels, you'll run across a cool book called Acts, and then a book written to the church at Rome, but then right after Romans is First and Second Corinthians. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes, guys, on the best is yet to come. As we move into week 13, I want you to see that the best is yet to come, right? As the band sung, we are going to see a victory, right? Little victories here on earth because we're fighting from victory, right? Jesus has already won the victory, but we're going to see an ultimate victory uh, when we reach Christ, when all his kingdom is brought to earth uh, and uh, everything that he's written about in the, te- in the scriptures comes to fruition. I mean, we're going to see that and we're going to see it very soon. But So the best is yet to come. And I know that's kind of a motto around here. We've, we've bought into it. But, I be, but, but actually, Paul speaks that in this text. He says that uh, through different wordage. And so I want to I look at that together. But I got I to back into Pastor Mike's message from last week, the last verse of chapter 12. So look at the last verse of chapter 12. And, uh, and we're going to read that and then calm into 13. And then we'll pray and get right into the meat. The cool thing about this scripture uh, uh, is that Paul preaches it for me. Amen. I didn't have to, I, I, I did study it, but, but I didn't have to write much because he preaches it for us. And, and I want us to grab hope to this because we're talking about spiritual gifts, right? That is what he's going into. He's going into, as, as, as Michael mentioned last week, going into the, the work and the role and the duty of spiritual gifts. And it's almost like he has to just stop 
with a with the with the paid program and right in the middle of the of the of the of the movie and say this is why we're here right he had to remind us grant this is why we're here right and so i love that about about the apostle paul so we're going to look at that but look in verse 31 he he tells the church but covet uh, earnestly the best gifts and yet show i unto you a more excellent way your translation may say better way a better way Something to, uh, uh, to, to desire more. As, as Michael mentioned last week, when the disciples came back and they were like, man, you won't believe this, Jesus. Like, even the, the, the demons obeyed us, right? He's like, whoa, whoa, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name's written in heaven, right? He was, he was trying to get them focused back on the eternal things. Uh, and, and that's what Paul's trying to get us to see here. So let's read it real fast because we're going to take time and, and really define it here in a moment. But I just want to give you context. You're welcome to stand if you want to stretch out. Uh, or if you're about to fall asleep, you can stand for the reading, or you can sit right where you're at. It doesn't matter. But look at verse 1. And, uh, and, and y'all know me. I, I like the KJV, but, I, so just, but yours, it, it lays it out so much better. And my, mine uses this word, and you'll hear me replace it just for better preaching uh, or better understanding. But he uses this word charity. And I love that word charity, but uh, John Wycliffe, when he was translating this, he, uh, that was a good word back then. It was a giving love. It was a love that had action, a, a verb. Well, nowadays, what do you relate charity to, right? Well, money, right? Every time you hear charity or, hey, man, that guy's a charitable guy, you think money. So it really, it's, it's not a good translation of word. Throughout the rest of the text, we find it as love. And so I'm going to replace charity with love. But, but just, just uh, go with me here. Verse 1, I love it. Though I speak with the tongues of men... And of angels, and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all the goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing." Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself up and is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly or it seeks not its own. It's not easily provoked and it thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. That word just means they'll eventually come to an end. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Look at verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. And I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then shall I even as also am I known. He's saying that that then I will physically be in the presence of my Savior, right? I will see him face to face. That's a beautiful text. And it says in verse 13, And now abideth faith, hope, and love, and these three, but the greatest of these are love. Let's pray together. Father, I... I sure appreciate uh, Anna's prayer earlier and her help for the Scripture. God, you know that we are just mere man. Uh, without your Spirit, God, we are, we are dead. Lord, we need you to inoculate us. Fill us, God, 
give the ears hear, uh, a spirit of hearing to hear what your spirit has to say to their hearts, God. Give me uh, the words. Crucify me, God, so your son can receive all glory. Thank you for Pastor Michael. I pray you be with him on the road today as he heads back home, as he gets prepared for heart and soul tonight uh, in a few hours. And uh, Lord, I'm so thankful that I get to uh, rub shoulders with uh, men like him, men and women uh, that are in this church that are trying their best to serve you. And so God, now as we uh, kind of uh, cut open this scripture and, and open ourselves to it, Lord, may you just, uh, God, challenge us. Oh God, drive us into a, a deeper walk with you, a, a, a growing fellowship with you, Lord. As you're in the light, may we be in the light and have fellowship one with another. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for these next few moments. And I ask you to receive all glory in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right, guys, as we preach here for a moment, uh, the best is yet to come. Now, I, I brought some props up here to help me do this. Um, and no, I didn't get these from my bed. Um, but uh, I got them from my little girl's crib. And yes, she put some all in her crib. Uh, it's her and my, my three-year-old. They, they fight over them. Uh, but this is... Uh, uh, Gerald and uh, the giraffe. Uh, I think we got Jerry 2.0 here. Um, but these all go to bed with my, my little girl with Wren, and here's Uni. And uh, so we got a couple of them. Uh, now, every woman in the house this morning says, Where's that baby's clothes? All right. Every guy's just like, Yeah, that's about right. That's my life. It would a toddler, uh, no clothes at all times. So there's two of these. Why? Because we're in America. You got to have two of everything. Uh, two of these go in. And of course, my all time favorite crocheted uh, baby Grogu, okay? All right, so, <laughs> so anyway, so all these go in the crib, my little girl. She's hunting them. She's looking for them. When she wakes up in the morning, usually she'll try and have all of them to hand us or to get out of the crib with her, and uh, it's cute, right? I mean, love it. You got, most of you have little ones, and you understand uh, the pain of laying down a toddler who's missing one of their babies, right? Like, where's one of them? Like, well, you got one. Like, no, there's, there's two. And, and you have to go on a, a whole campus search for this other naked baby so she'll have two. Uh, and can I just kind of illustrate this? This is kind of what the church at Corinth was going through at the time because God had been giving them gifts, right? God had been giving them uh, things to uh, really to, to, to utilize the church and to build up the church, not just to reach each other, but to reach the world. The gifts were necessity. Uh, necessity. They were needed for the operation of the church, as, as Michael preached so well last week. We need our gifts, right? But now how silly would it be for my little girl, one and a half, 18 months old, even my three-year-old, yeah, I give it to her. How silly would it be for her to be 18 years old and coming home going, Daddy, where's Jerry? Like, you gave me Jerry. Actually, Melvin, I think you gave her this. But anyway, you gave me Jerry. Where is she at? Like, I'm not doing anything until I get my stuffed animal, right? That'd be crazy, right? We would be like, what's wrong with her? Get her her medicine, whatever it needs, you know, help her. Because why? Because as you grow, what does she realize? That her love's not wrapped up in the gift. Her love is wrapped up in the giver, right? The person who gave it. And so these are just a small picture of the greater love, the, the greater love that was given to her or shown to her in the giving of 
the gifts. Amen. And so what we do uh, at church is we, we, and what's happening at the Corinth churches is we get prideful and boastful in what we've been gifted with. Right? Our gifts are, are, you know, I'm so much cooler because I'm working in KK and I'm not working in on the worship team, or I'm this, or I'm that, or I'm able to with discernment, or I'm do this, and I, I pour my life into the church and on and on. And we stack up our gifts as a way to measure uh, our, our, uh, our, 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 our validity with God. But God, listen, that does not, uh, what, what we do for God or what we don't do for God does not change his love for us, all right? And I want you to see that. And in seeing that, seeing that 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 doesn't change his love for us, it should not change our love for one another. And and that's kind of what Paul is trying to teach us here is that don't look at all, don't let all the gifts mess you up and like, well, you know, Miss Nancy's more gifted than me and, 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 and Lakin's got this going on, but I don't and I wish, no, 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 listen, if we dive into the Savior, if we head over heels, fall in love with Him, and love each other, guess what? The gifts will fall in the right place. And so what's happening in the church at Corinth is, and even, even the conservative church tried to, tried, tried to manage this with, with doctrine and, 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 and other things. And, but guys, listen, the only way to manage this is through love. And that's what Paul's teaching us. So just for a few moments, let's look at this. Because some, so I've heard this chapter called the biography of Jesus, but I like to think of it as the barometer of the justified. We got to be careful not to put the, oh yeah, this is who Jesus was. He loved so well and, and he did so good. So we can't put it so high on a shelf that we feel like we can't ascertain it or we cannot be that, right? Jesus came back in flesh to teach us that we are the church. Like he, he left to leave the job with us in our hands. And, and I love that because we like to say, well, you know, Patrick, that, that was Jesus, right? Of course Jesus did it, right? No, 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 no. The same spirit that was in Jesus, the same spirit in you and in me. And we were called to do his work. So, so it's not just a biography of Jesus. Sure, you could say that, but it's a barometer of the justified. It, it shows the altitude of the believer, how close we are to our Savior. Amen. And where we need to work. It actually, Paul kind of uses it as a gauge. We, he didn't have gauges back then, uh, uh, but, but, but he uses it as a gauge to see where we are in following Christ. And so it isn't an issue of love versus gifts. Don't hear that. Uh, a church should never be forced to choose between loves of gifts and the Holy Spirit, right? We should never choose between that. No, no. Paul is emphasizing the focus and goal of the gifts is love not gifts for their own sake. Like gifts in and of themselves, by themselves, are useless, right? He he said that. You are nothing if if you do that. But but with love, they're rightly tolerated. You say, Patrick, what what does that look like in our world? Well, let me just explain it to you. We've done it for millennia. Since Jesus left us in charge of the church, what did we do, Matt? We've put on special collars. We've made royal priesthoods. We've put ourselves above the people as pastors and saints and priests. And we've looked down on other people of the church like we're higher or we're called out. And yes, don't get me wrong, there is a a special thing in calling. But but we're no better than than you. You're no better than me. We're in this together. And actually, the church, church at Corinth was putting a high emphasis on prophecy and, and tongues, where Paul goes on, and, and Michael will preach about this next week. I'm, I'm excited about it. He'll preach about even the smallest members of your body are necessary, right? Even your toes. Like, chop your toes off and try and run a marathon. 
<laughs> you ain't going to do it. You think, oh, it's all my legs. No, 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 no. Your toes have everything to do with you being able to walk and balance as much as your knees, as much as your ankles, as much as your hips, as much as your back, right? It all works together in the body. And that's what Paul wants us to see is that, that there's no one gift greater than the other. They're all to work together in love, in love. And so I'm excited about next week. You don't want to miss that. Come back for that. But right here, let's take a pause and, and let's throw on the e-break as Paul did and let's just hone in on this text and, and let him speak to us for a moment. In building the church, this chapter is like the submittals to the blueprints. Anybody done any construction work? You got a nice blueprints, and man, what it, you pay a lot of money for them things. Why? Because a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of college goes into that. And you roll out them blueprints, and it looks cool. It looks great. Oh, okay, that's awesome. That's where the building's going to go. This is where restrooms are going to go. This is where the stairwell is, and the elevator shaft's got to go there. But guess what? Without the submittals, you don't have any measurements. You don't know what kind of toilets to buy. You don't know what kind of iron, uh, you know, uh, 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 angle iron to use. You have no, eye, you don't have any measurements on the eye beams. You have no details whatsoever. And what happens is the, the 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 blueprints of spiritual gifts that we're looking at here in the next few chapters, without the submittals, without okay, how do we operate in these gifts? Without the submittals, we don't know. We don't know. A good illustration of that is. The, uh, the Hyatt Regency walkway collapse in 1981 that killed 114 people in Kansas City, the, the biggest structural tragedy uh, up until the World Trade Center towers that, that collapsed. Of course, you and I know is because of terrorism. But what happened? They changed, they, they, they decided to add a whole nother walkway uh, uh, timing underneath the, the, the fourth floor walkway, and they used the same all thread rods, the same bolts, the same everything to hold that held that fourth floor walkway. They used that, they bolted a whole nother walkway underneath that and used the same steel. And they didn't go back, the steel company and the and the engineers didn't go back and rechange the, the type of steel and the type of nuts. And so them things just rung right off. Once all them people got on there, they were partying, they were celebrating, and those things run right off. And the whole thing came down and crushed them. You can look at on Google. And the whole lobby area is just blood everywhere pouring out where it just crushed people. And guys, let me tell you this. The church is crushing the lost because we won't love them, because we won't love each other. Man, why, why, let me tell you this. Why do committee meetings in good churches, good, I'm talking about good churches, you would drive by and think, man, that church is doing a lot. Good churches, why are committee meetings lasting longer than prayer meetings? Huh? Hey, why are we more apt to sit around and talk about each other than talk for each other and speak out for each other and speak life to each other? Amen. Me and my wife had this conversation last night. Like, the older I get, the, the more I realize how important words are. Like, what you say to one another is so important. And, and I tell you guys, that's what we're experiencing. And, and for years now, the church has been crushing people. They don't want nothing to do with us because we're, we're not operating in love. Oh, we like to button our top collar, and we like to look good and talk about all we're gifted with. But we never offer them the love of Christ. And so I want to back up and just kind of, man, throw that thing in low gear and just bog down for a little bit right here, if that's okay. And, and the core issue, guys, is in that chapter 13 is, that, is the reason we have churches and cathedrals in a community with no change. No change. If we're going to change Garden City, if we're going to change the greater Savannah area, it's going to be through love. It's going to be through love. And the definition here of love is kind of difficult. 
Uh, it, 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 one preacher said, it's like a rose. Once you take it apart, it's no longer a rose, right? You've just disassembled it. You just have to experience a rose. You just have to touch it and smell it and see it. And this love has to be experienced. It's active. It's not like, I love Jesus. Who else? Three of us. Great. That's easy. That's cheap, right? It's, it's getting out there. It's, it's putting action behind our words. And so, so y'all know the Bible gives four different, uh, or, there's, or excuse me, there's four different Greek words uh, uh, for the term love. We're going to just hone in on that one uh, agape, or we in South Georgia say agape, just because we're lazy, we shorten everything. Uh, if you know me for longer than two weeks, I give you a nickname, right? It's just because I'm lazy. We're all lazy. It's Southerners. I love it. Uh, but we're going to look at agape for a moment because that's the word Paul uses here for charity, for love. And, uh, and it's the Greek word. And I like what David Gusick said. He says, it is a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or the unappealing. It is a love that loves even when it is rejected. Agape love gives and loves because it wants to. It does not demand or expect repayment for the love given. It gives because it loves, right? It does not love in order to receive. According to Alan Redpath, he quotes, uh, we, give, we get our English word agony from agape, right? Are you starting to see Christ there? It means the actual absorption of our being in one great passion. Strictly speaking, agape can't be defined as necessarily just God's love because men are said to agape sin or, or to agape the word, uh, the world. Excuse me. Uh, uh, but listen, it can be defined as sacrificial, giving, absorbing kind of love. The word has little to do with emotion. It has much to do with self-denial for the sake of others, right? Uh, I, I, love, I, I saw a, f- a friend of mine, they posted uh, on uh, Facebook, bless their heart, and, uh, and they said, they, it was like, hey, bae, thanks for being my 80% when I can only be your 20 or some, some, some baloney. And I thought, uh, I thought oh, I, and, and let me tell you, hey, when I got married, bro, listen, I was in love. I was, I, and I got to be careful. My mother-in-law's here. She'll take her daughter back. I got to be careful. Don't take her back, grandmommy. I got four kids to raise with her, okay? Uh, but, uh, but listen, I thought I was in love. Oh, I thought I knew what love was all about. But can I tell you this? Marriage is 100% in both directions from each side. Husband, wife, 100% in the same direction. And somewhere you'll collide in the middle and you'll make it work, right? But if you start pulling that, oh, I'll give you my 60 if you can give me your 40. And, well, right now he's only giving me his 40, so i got to fill in the gap. Or uh, you know, No, 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 no. It ain't no give and take. It's give. It's give. It's give. Over. That's true love. That's true love. Me and my wife, had had a, we've had to look at each other eyeball to eyeball and said, I love you, but this, this is what's going to happen, right? <laughs> She's had to straighten me out, and, and, and we got to do this, right? We, we got to go in this direction because I love you, and that's real love. Love's so much more than just emotion. It's so much more than feeling. It's doing the right thing because it's still the right thing, regardless of anything that comes back in your, 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 your benefit, right? And so the tra- transliteration, let me just give you some scriptures. You can write them down fast. These are not going to come up on the screen, uh, but I just want to give them to you fast because it kind of builds up the passion of love throughout the New Testament. 
But the transliteration here from the Greek to agape, which is found, it's found in John 15, 13, says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love towards us, his agape towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Romans 13, 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love, agape, is the fulfilling of the law, right? Galatians 5, 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And he goes in and gives some more, and he says, against such there is no law. No law. You can't, real true agape love, you can't argue with it. Like, nothing can come against it. It wins every argument hands down. Even when you're, uh, uh, you know, embarrassed or, or pointed out or ridiculed or made fun of, you still have done right because you've chosen love, chosen love to do the right thing, to love others. Look, 1 John 4, 9, it was, it was, this was manifested, the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. 1 John 4, 18, for there is no fear in love, but perfect Love, agape, cast out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And in 2 John 1, 6, and this is the love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk therein. He's referring back to John chapter 13, when Jesus, last few weeks of his life, set around, actually last week of his life, set around with his disciples, and he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. Love one for another. Amen? Love one for another. And so, guys, I, 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 but, but my favorite, probably one of yours too out of all these, is the root word for agape, which is uh, agapoco, or agapoho, excuse me. And, and, and it's for God so loved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, so don't miss that word gave, amen? He's gonna throw it up on the screen for you. For God so loved, John 3, 16. For God so loved, that God, God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. As we go into 1 Corinthians 13, think about God giving. Think about what that entailed. We, I don't wanna miss that. I wanna, I wanna stay right there and just think about what he gave, like he absolutely shunned his own son, like him in human flesh, only begotten son, and he gave him. I, I picture Christ uh, strapped with the very metals that he created, that he hid into the mountains, and I, I could picture those metal shackles holding his hand to the whipping post where they tore his back open with the nine tails, where they whipped him and they scourged him. And they laughed at him and they mocked him as a criminal. Could have easily got up. Could have easily caught the nine tails and dissolved them. He could have easily stepped out of that. But he laid his life down and his, as his organs were pulled open and his body was torn to pieces. And he did all that for you. And it wasn't, if it wasn't just that, then, it, then they, they give him this massive cross that he never even was able to carry the whole way. His, his physical body had weakened so much that they made him walk the Via Dolorosa and, and drag that beam 
to his own death and pulled a, a shepherd guy out of the crowd just to help him get it up the hill. And, and, and he got it up there as they nailed his hands and his feet. And then they suspended him between the earth he created and he hung out for you and for me because of my sin and your sin. I mean, think about what God gave. Think about the love that he showed in that he, he didn't say, hey, if you come 20%, I'll finish the 80. Or, hey, you just give me a little bit, uh, then I'll come the rest of the way. I, I love that, that song. I grew up singing it when I started church, but I, I have decided to follow Jesus. No one has decided to follow Jesus, okay? That is not theologically correct. If you think you've decided to follow Jesus, you have duped yourself into believing you're somebody greater than yourself. You were lost without hope. Hope, no hope for salvation. There's nothing good in us, in you, in none of us. We don't seek God. We're lost. We're, we're like dumb sheep walking towards the cliff of hell without a shepherd, the shepherd and bishop of our soul to rule us back. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't finish the salvation you started. He didn't finish your faith. He didn't bring you to a point where now where you have finally acquired great enough faith to be saved. No, no, no. He did everything. Everything on the cross as he, he laid there and then gave up his life for you and for me, guys. Oh, man, I've been there. Oh, I've been there reading this and, and looking myself in the mirror and saying, oh, God, maybe, maybe I'm somebody special. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, no, 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 you better thank God that you have a father who loved you so much to find you, to save you, to bring you to a point today that you're can be, you can be saved. Because I'm telling you, there's people in hell today screaming in torment, separated forever from their God, never to have hope, never to have everlasting life. And, and, and one day they'll be brought out for the full judgment and have to go back, all because they refuse to receive the salvation that was so freely given. That's the only way we can follow Christ. That's the only thing. You say, well, Pastor, I'm kind of seeking myself and I'm seeking. That's because you got the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven barking up your tree. Hey, man, that's why you're seeking because the Holy Spirit's after you. And he's like, oh, like he's trying to get you. He's calling you home. That's why you're seeking. That's why you're sitting there saying, well, I've never been saved, but I've been thinking about it. I've been reading my Bible. I like going back over my testimony every now and then telling the devil where he's going to go because I I remember reading my Bible and I thought, okay, yeah, I got to get this, Tim. I was like, yeah, I got to learn this. And yeah, this is good. This is good. It took me, I probably read this thing for maybe a month and a half, two months easy before I realized, Mike, there was nothing I could do. There was nothing I was trying to get that hadn't already been given. It's already been given. It's already been given. For God so loved the world that he gave. All we got to do is receive it. We receive his salvation. We receive that great love. And we're brought in as sons and daughters. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That we don't have to work. We don't have to work. We don't have to, we don't have to figure it all out. Jesus already done it. We just receive that. Oh, man, you, we're living in a day and age. Students, listen. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to a professor at college. He's going to have 19 degrees by his name. And, and, and he's going to tell you all kind of stuff. He's going to laugh at your God. He's going to laugh at your church. He's going to make fun of you. And then if he's anything like my, uh, my history teacher in high school, passed around a Koran in the high school classroom to let us look at history and all that. So I asked him, to, uh, Paul, I said, hey, can I pass around my Bible, right? He's like, oh, no, no, we don't do that. He's like, why would you want to do that? That's not true. That's not real. That's just made up stuff. But the Koran, the great copycat of God's word, is not, right? 
And I'm telling you guys, we live in a secular humanist society where people, liars and womanizers and filthy, defiled, dirty people like Muhammad will build up a, a name for themselves and they'll bring people to follow them and give your all to me because I have heard from God. I know what's right. And that is secular humanism. Satan started it in chapter 3 of Genesis. And we're still believing it today. But there's nothing that saves us in and of ourselves. It's all God drawing us, drawing us to him. Amen. Drawing us to him. Aren't you thankful that God loves you? Aren't you thankful that you can be saved because of what he's done? Amen. Look at this, guys. We don't serve a God because of what we can do for him. We serve God because of what he has done for us. For us. I love Romans. It says that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Right, Romans chapter 2, 4. four. And, and so by looking, uh, how can I forge my gifts? This is, this is the quick part, but it's just Paul just lays it out so well. But look at this, guys. How can I forge my gifts, my spiritual gifts? What Paul's dealing with, how can I forge those gifts? How can, y'all know the picture of forging is, is taking a sharpened tool or a weapon and, and it's sticking in, in, in the fire and it gets glowing red hot and it's put on another harder metal and that, that, that anvil is brought down and brought down and brought down and in a foundry that metal is sharpened and it's built into whatever tool is necessary. Now we have machines that do all that and, and laser cut stuff with the same heat and intensity and, and it's so neat and that picture of forging is us, we got to hone our spiritual gifts in. How do we do that? We do it by focusing our eyes on the gift, the gift of love. But we must answer, what is love, right? What does that look like, Patrick? What does that look like? Let's, let's read Paul's words because uh, we're going to look at the preaching of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 and answer, what is love? The benefits of love are the spiritual gifts. It's not the other way around, right? Love is the end results. It, it is the means to an end. Like, I, I, I am here to love the lost. That's it. Like, you say, God, Patrick, what is God's will for my life? To love those who don't know Christ. That's it. Like, you don't have to pray no more. Just do it, right? Just quit praying. God will work you in a certain way. It may be at your job site, maybe on the railroad. It might be uh, in a doctor's office. It might be in a schoolroom. But God wants you to love those who don't know Jesus. And at the same time, please don't forget your family. You should love them first, right? You should know, please love them and show them the love of Christ. And so, guys, listen, we, love is the end result, okay? Spiritual gifts are the benefit. And so let's look at it. Paul, Paul writes this. Look at, look at chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to read these first verses, but let me just kind of illustrate what he said. He gave, I love preaching uh, where the, the text already gives you the illustration, all right? So you're going to be like, oh, Patrick, that was such a great illustration. Yeah, Paul wrote it. He's brilliant, all right? But think about this. All right, imagine me reading these first few verses. All right, look in your Bible, chapter 4. All right, love suffereth long. And it's time. And Barnabas is not itself up. Now, that's super annoying, so I'm not going to do that again. I promise. You got my word. Uh, <laughs> but can you imagine? That's what Paul's saying. He says this. Uh, I love it. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become a sounding brass or a teeming cymbal. That's what the world hears, guys. The world hears a bunch of noise without love. But we must show love. So here it is. Look at, look at, chapter, look at verse 4. He says, what is love? Love suffereth long. What does that mean? It means love is patient. 
illustrate, just write these down. You'll want to take notes on these to, to kind of gauge yourself later and just kind of what you need to work on, what, what, what maybe uh, uh, you know, a loved one needs to work on, help them with that and love. But, but, but focus on yourself because <laughs> I don't know about y'all, I'm still working on these. All right? Hey, I got a long way to go. Uh, I, I thank God gave me this message for my, me, so I hope y'all bear with me as I preach to myself. But, but, but patient, what does patient mean? Now, patient, uh, it's kind of goes, it's a, it's a raging war against how we live today, right? We get out in traffic, we're getting school people are in our way, people are bothering us, on and on and on, and then we're impatient. We get in a long line, and thank God for smartphones, right? We can, like, dull ourselves to sleep for a few minutes while we wait in line. But, but, but I mean, we get impatient with lines. And we, and, 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 but listen, that's impatient. But it's so much more deeper than that. It's patient to the point where we wait on others. It's not all about where we can get to and who's slowing us down. And, and I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to hit this deadline, I got to do this. No, it's slowing down long enough to say, wait on others. Being patient for others. So, so love is patient. And then you see this, love is kind. Uh, be up there, kind. Uh, love is kind. Love, uh, uh, Paul writes to, to the church, uh, I believe it's in Ephesus, he says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. And, and, and when we are kind, it's, it's we're putting others in front of us, right? We're, we're looking out for other people's needs. All right, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not envy. I'm sorry uh, that we live in a society where we are always like, you've got all these measuring rods, like this person is successful because he has this, and she's very successful because she got that promotion, and on and on, man, that is so hard to keep up with. Students, please don't get lost in that comparison trap. I promise you, the day you graduate, you will not remember what shoes you were wearing in the eighth grade. All right, you won't remember what uh, Johnny had and you didn't. All right, one day when you cross and you breathe that last breath and you cross into eternity, you will not be taking any of that with you. But we use so many measuring rods to, to measure success, and it creates a spirit of envy, of jealousy. I've seen this so bad even in families. Man, families that are so mad that their siblings have this or have that. And you've heard it. You sit around. We just got through the holidays. What'd you do? You sit around. Yeah, did you see so-and-so? He finally bought that. I can't believe it. He can't afford that. Why did he buy that for? Like, can you be quiet with your envious, jealous self? All right, can you just be happy for some somebody that bought him something? Can you be happy? I don't know. I, maybe it's the way I grew up, but uh, my sister, I was so mad at her. She got a boombox before me. I was asking Jerry for a boombox. For my, I, can't, I think I was like 11 or something. Uh, Boombox, I ain't even going to explain it for anybody under 20. But, um, but it was like, man, you could put like five CDs in it. You could actually, mine, my, the one I wanted, the one I eyeballed at the Walmarts, you could take the speaker off and like put the speaker across the room, take the other speaker off like it was one of them boomboxes. Guess what? My dad went and bought my sister one before me. I wanted to kill her. I was so jealous. I was so mad. But guess what? I was 10 right? I was 11. We should get over that. We should grow out of that. Literally, I know my sister had been asking for one way longer than I had, right? And my dad couldn't buy us both one. So, so looking back, guys, listen, uh, we got to grow out of that. We got to get, Paul says at the end of the chapter, put away childish things. You're a man now. You're, you're a woman. You're grown. And so jealousy is dangerous. Jealousy will take a life that, that has so much potential, so much uh, uh, possibilities, and because they're so focused on someone else and what they got, 
they'll never reach that full potential in what God has for them. They'll never do what God's done for them because they won't take their eyes off of that uncle or that brother or that classmate that's got something better. Jealousy's sad in the church today. Man, you see it, preachers are the worst. Come on. I'm preaching to myself. Preachers are worse. Oh, y'all, hey, y'all running 300 now? Y'all probably got LED lights, don't you? Mm-hmm. You liberals. Yeah, yeah, we're the worst. <laughs> okay? They don't think that they're out in Timbuktu when there's 13, and there's 13 people in the city limits, and they think, yeah, my church won't grow. That's because you have 13 people to reach. It's not going to grow, right? They're, but they're mad at the inner city churches that are blowing up. They must be done sell their soul to the devil. No, they might just be in the right location, right? But, but we do it like that. For preachers, we do that. And, and, and so a charity or love vaunts not itself up. That just means it's not boastful. Uh, you see there, it's not boastful. It's not, it's not proud and arrogant. He says that in the next word. It's not puffed up. It means it doesn't make a name for itself, right? It does because it wants to do. And look at this, guys. I, I, it, it's not provoked. My, my version, I, I, liked, I was studying through the, uh, the KJV in the original language, and the, the KJV translators, they stuck that word easily in there. And, Jamin, I don't really blame them because how many of y'all, it's easy to get provoked. Like, if, if I'm just hangry enough, like if I ain't ate in a little while and I'm a little hangry, I get provoked. I'm like, can y'all shut up? I'm trying to order on the dollar menu, okay? I'm going to come back there, you know? And, uh, but, 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 but look, that, that word was not in the original translation. I, I found that out. It's, it, the Bible says it's not provoked. We stuck easily in there because we're like, oh, come on, man. We all get provoked a little bit. I guess that's what they thought. I don't know. But they stuck it in there to, to have a better understanding. But really, true love is never provoked. But that's not just irritable. It's not just being irritable, but it's, being, it's not provoked to step out of line and to do the, make the wrong decisions. You'll be patient. It all works together. You'll be patient Take your time. It's not irritable, and it's not provoked, all right? And then thinketh no evil. Oh, God, I love this. Thank you, Lord, for putting this in your scripture. It says no record of wrongs. Man, can we, can we just talk about that? I know I'm letting, I'm letting Paul preach now because this is so good. No record of wrongs. I mean, imagine if we start looking at those who've hurt us or those who we've hurt and forgiven ourselves are forgiven those who've offended us. Imagine if we lived in such a freeing mindset to where it's okay, man. Nothing. No record of wrongs. I don't keep that because Jesus doesn't keep my record of wrongs. Right? God's not going to throw them up in my face. Do y'all know as a born-again believer at the Bema Seat of Christ when we stand before our Maker and we have to give an account, not one time will he ask about the sin that he forgave us of. Oh, no, 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 no. He'll ask us about what we did for him in the church, but he'll never, never throw our sins up. So why do you do it? Why do I do it? Oh, well, you know how so-and-so is. That's keeping a record wrong. Well, I just can't trust them. Well, here comes the next one. Look at this. Keeps no record wrongs, but it doesn't rejoice in iniquity or no joy in sin. No joy in sin. You've talked to that person. You've probably done it. I have. Oh, man. That's what they get. Watch how this works. I know how this is going to work. Watch, watch what he does. He's going to do this every time he does this or she does this, and she's going to get hers. Oh, yeah, watch. Just give her time. She's going to get hers. Y'all done it. I've done it. That's not love. Man, we should not rejoice in sin, but we should rejoice in truth. Man, when someone calls me, I, I, I have a disciple guy I work with. 
he'll call me and he gets so excited about something I've read 3,800 times in the Bible. But he'll get excited about it. And Ryan, you know what I tell him? I said, dude, that is incredible. Are you kidding me? Where's that at? And I act like it's a brand new thing. You know what I'm saying? I rejoice in that truth, even though it's new to him, right? I don't say, oh, man, that's been in the Bible forever, dude. What you been waiting on? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, I rejoice in that truth. We should rejoice in truth. Rejoice when people make that small step, the little things. You say, yeah, but so-and-so, he always does that. Yeah, but he didn't today. Can you give him credit for what he's done today? Rejoice in truth. And then beareth all things. Now, now hear me here. This translation, you'll see it on the screen. I, I love this. There was a couple different translations there. It was like, uh, uh, you know, beareth all things, endures, and, and perseverance, and all these other cool words. But I love this translation. It was covers with silence. Covers with silence. Now, there's so much power in that. I don't even have time to, 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 to pull it out. But can you imagine the power in the local church? Okay, get this. The power in the local church when I can share with a brother and I can go to somebody and say, man, I don't think I can make it, bro. I'm, I'm bad on this. I'm about to walk out on my wife and uh, I'm done. And instead of him being what we like to be, a tailbearer and running out and, oh, yeah, I talked to Patrick. You know what he's about to do. You know, he's done with it all. He's undone this. He's undone that. No, instead, he, said, he pulls me in, says, brother, you don't believe this, but uh, I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel the same thing, man. They're going to sing it here in a minute. Oh, God, help me not to, to, to leave the God I love. And don't you feel that? Oh, man, when we get to share that in community, you know, healthy ways, guys with guys, girls with girls, when we get to share that in community that, Guess what? We're not really much different in what we look. Now, we look a lot different. God's given us different personalities, different giftedness. But together, we're battling the same stuff. We're going through the same stuff. But in community, I'm not talking about enabling somebody. You know somebody's about to hurt themselves or walk off a bridge. Hey, listen, man, let me talk you down. Let's, let's work through this. I'm going to go with this together. I'm going to go with you through this. Uh, but not enabling them, okay? Not enabling them to do wrong, but covering them. Say, hey, you're sa it's safety here. In community, there's safety, right? And, uh, and guys, you, you hear that. That's what he's saying. Bears all things, covers with silence. Nothing run out and tell and gossip, but he brings that person in or she brings that person in and she loves them. Bears all things, believes all things, entrusts or has faith. How many of you have ever trusted somebody and they've hurt you? Oh, absolutely, man. Isn't that the hardest thing sometimes? Very hard. You trust somebody, you, you give them time, you invite them to your house, and you, you pour into them only to find out they've been talking behind your back. That hurts. And what do you do next time? Oh, I ain't going to do that again, God. <laughs> Try to help somebody? Forget that. Well, true love will trust again. True love trusts again. And they don't, they don't uh, uh, rejoice in sin. They hold no records wrong. And then hopeth all things. Look at that. Believeth all things. You entrust. You have faith. Then hopes all things. Looks for the best. Don't you like that person? That looks for the best in you. Huh? You, you remember it. You Right now, if I had to sit down with every one of you and I said, do you remember which teacher believed in you? You would, you would say their name. You would remember where you were. You remember the class you were in. Why? Because that one person believed in you and it spoke power. Man, it spoke so much life to you. Do you realize, like I said, me and my wife were talking about this last night. Do you realize the power you have in this little thing right here? Like to speak life into somebody? 
and to encourage others. It, love looks for the best in others and then endureth all things. It perseveres ill treatment. It means when someone hurts you, you still love them. You still go back. I mean, Jesus died for the very men that punched him in the face. The very men that grabbed his facial hair and yanked it from his head. He died for that person. Amen. And, uh, and so even despite what they've done. Now, you, listen, you may need to separate yourself. This person may be toxic, but listen, you can still love them. Through Christ, you can still love them. And I love the last one Paul puts in there in uh, the last verse, uh, 8. Love never fails. And, and he's boiling it down to all these gifts, guys, are going to soon go away. Once the church age is done, Jesus comes back. The church is with him. The gifts are done. The spiritual gifts are no longer necessary, but the love will still remain. The love that is intact, the love that will take us to heaven, the love that will take others, our family, our friends, those who are lost and and, and without Christ and, and destitute, they have no knowledge of the truth. Love will bring them to heaven with us. We can win them over by the love, by how we treat them, how we show them love, how we have patience and how we suffer long with them, how we bear all things, that will make the difference in the end. I love what he says. He says in verse 10, but when that which is perfect is calm, then that which is in part shall be done away. He said, childish things need to go away. In verse 12, for now we sit through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Guys, that little bit of hurt you've went through, excuse me, let me not cheapen it. That lot of bit of hurt you went through. I don't know your story. I'm not trying to cheapen it, please understand. But whatever you went through, when you see him face to face, can you just close your eyes and think about the day you're going to see Jesus? All that will go away. All that will not matter. What will, be mad, what ma- what will matter is what was done through love. Now let me give you this. We've got to pray. We're out of time. How does this look? How does this look in our context? You say, Patrick, that was great. Thank you for sharing what Paul did. But what does that look like tonight when I go home? What does it look like tomorrow when I show up at work? Very simple. I'm, I'm going to bullet down. I heard this years ago, and it's helped me in my marriage, helped me to be a father, helped me to be a good coworker, helped me to be a good student of the Bible, helped me just to be a good... It's helped me. I haven't done it well, but it's helped me. Okay, here's a question I want you to ask yourself. And then I want you to practice asking it to everybody you come in contact with. Say, Patrick, what does this look like? Let me give it to you very simply. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Say, Patrick, how do I put all this into practice? Here it is. What can I do to help? That very simply, when you go home, babe, what can I do to help? Can I help with anything? All right, right, sweetheart, I know you had a hard day at school. What what can daddy do to help? Hey, hey, boss man, what do you got today? What can I do to help? I'm here. I'm on time. What can I do to help? You do that enough. And word's going to get around. People are like, something's different about that guy, that girl, that student, man. She is always smiling. She always wants to be helpful. I'm not talking about teacher pet. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, you, you got priorities. I understand. But, but what can I do to help? When I get home, no matter what day I've had, this is my, my goal. My tr- I try to do it. I don't, like I said, I don't do it well. I'm practicing. And, and, and the day we die, we probably won't have it all the way down. But I get home no matter what day I have. I walk into a home. There's usually naked baby dolls on the floor. 
Legos, food. Mama's trying to get dinner going. There's babies crying. Um, typically, I got another meeting to go to because I swear Michael disciples the entire world. Okay, I mean, I'm seriously, he's always touching, hurt, helping people and, and meeting with people. And, and usually, I'm, but, but for a few moments, I just stop. Hey, can I help? What can I do to help? How many, how many moms in here would just appreciate that? Amen? Amen? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't be ashamed because I'm, I'm about to turn it on you, okay? <laughs> Dads, how often, if you had a hard day, would it be nice if your wife just sat down and held your hand? Hey, babe, can I do anything to help? What's going on? Man, if we just had that attitude one towards another, if we just got down on our knees every now and then, instead of, instead of demanding our kids do something, if we just got down and said, I don't think you really understand me. It seems like you're having some issues. Can I help you, bud? What's going on? Can I help? Like, guys, listen. <laughs> that is such a freeing thing because it builds camaraderie in a family, builds camaraderie in a home, and it really teaches love. Remember, the goal in Paul's writing to this is to build the church up. It's build the church up. Man, it's to make the church stronger. Can you imagine if when you drug in here every week, you say, hey, Sarah, what can I do to help? Hey, can I do anything to help? Hey, Pastor Mike, what do you need me to do? I'm here now. I know, yeah, crazy week, forget it. I'm here. What can I do to help? Man, you know how much power that is for a preacher? for a ministry leader, for a church who's trying to reach the nations. Amen. When you're there to help, there's power in numbers. Amen. The Bible teaches that. You know it. But can we let that be our agenda at Connection Church, that we're helpers. Amen. You don't even have to have the spiritual gift of helps. Some of you do. And you're like, you're like drooling right now. You're like, oh, yeah, Pastor, you showed them. We're going to, yeah, because you have that gift, right? Yeah. But some of us don't. Some of us never even thought that. We're like, help, like, I go to work so I don't have to help. Uh, no, calm down, buddy. You want a better marriage? You want better children? You want a better community around you? You want a better church? Help out. Show your love by helping. Amen. That's what Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus helped. He stepped into a dark situation and changed the world. Can I just say what I told the connectors this morning? The world was not flipped upside down because of what we wore on Sundays. The world was not flipped upside down because of our nice parachurch organizations and they ran with excellence. The world was not flipped upside down because we, we got one more book from John Maxwell. Nope. <laughs> the world was flipped upside down because people loved. People loved. And a bunch of barbaric Gentiles and a bunch of hiatic uh, haughty Jewish people said, huh. That's good. Maybe we should do that. And they loved. As we worship, guys, the altar's open. Let's pray together. You can stand right where you're at. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness. And uh, as we are uh, moving into just one more song of worship. We search our hearts. God, I, I struggle with patience. I struggle with people doing wrong stuff. It aggravates me. I want to help them, but I get just tired of it sometimes. Lord, I, I forget 
how much you saved me. And uh, forgive me, Lord. As I've studied chapter 13, <laughs> all spiritual gifts are wonderful, God, in the right context. Looking forward to that message next week. But if we don't slow down enough to love, God, you told us it's all in vain. It's all for nothing. God, how can we love our wives better? How can we love our husbands better? How can we love our neighbors? Our neighbors may be our families, our kids. But also those co-workers. It's those stubborn bosses. It's those aggravating classmates. It's everybody we come in contact with. We should should love them. So, Father, we just lean into you, asking you to help us. May our anthem become just that. What can we do to help? That's what the gospel is. It stepped into a world and helped. We step into a room, we can help. We step into a classroom, we can help. We step into a a workplace and we have the power to help. May we do it, God. May we put aside our needs, our selfish desires for a few moments every day just to help. God, we don't do it to receive because that's not true love. Do it because you first loved us. So just in the quietness of your seat, maybe you came in today and you said, Patrick, I I don't know Jesus. I've never trusted him as my Savior. There's a process to that. Even though he did everything to forgive you of your sins, he, he took care of every sin when he died on the cross. When he was buried and he rose again the third day, every sin was forgiven in the entire world. You say, what? Yeah. Every single sin. That payment paid for every single sin. But we must receive that death. We must receive that death on the cross as our death. He died for me. He died for you. He died for the whole world. We must receive that. By faith, we confess that we are a sinner. We, we ask Him to save us, to come into our life, to be our Lord. It's not a prayer that saves us. No, 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 no. It's it's a step of faith. Say, Lord, I believe and I receive. You don't have to church up your prayer. You don't have to say a bunch of long words. Very simple. You can say, Lord, I receive. Right there where you're at. You say, Pastor, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I I don't know where I'd go. If I had to pay for my sins right now today, I don't don't know if I'd go to heaven. You mentioned a place called hell. I, I don't even like to think that. And guess what? God don't like to think. That's not even a place that was intended for lost people. They just, unfortunately, that's the only other eternal place to go with Satan and his demons. But listen, you don't have to go there. Jesus don't want you to go there. God the Father sent his son so you don't have to go there. Oh, God, you can receive Christ today. And you can live a life that honors him, that glorifies him, and that one day when you do draw your last breath, because we're all going to do it, One day you'll be in heaven forever according to the authority of God's word. Not me, but the authority of scripture. Say, Pastor, I'd like to do that. Well, right there, right there where you are. You ain't got to come up front or get embarrassed. I would would never do that, but right where you are, would you just, in the quietness of your heart, talk to Jesus? I don't have to give you a prayer. I already did. You're just simply saying, forgive me of my sins. You're saying, come into my life. You're saying, forgive me. Be my Lord. He'll do that. He'll do that. 
I studied Edgar Allan Poe in, in high school and in a drunken alley with alcohol on his breath, he laid there with rain trickling on his face and said, God, help me, a poor sinner. And can I tell you this? I don't know if he's in heaven today. But if he said that prayer out of faith, I guarantee you, out of faith, if he believed that God could help him when he prayed that, I guarantee you, you'll see him in heaven one day. One little sentence prayer from a great poet, a great author, could have wrote all the prayers he wanted, yet one barely conscientious prayer. And I guarantee you, if he meant it by faith, God heard him. So right there, when you just ask Christ to save you, right there, say, Dear Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I need a Savior. Come into my life. Be my Lord. I want to follow after you. In Jesus' name. There's people on the walls that can pray with you if you'd like to pray right now. Maybe Christians would like to grab their wife or brother or friend anybody and just come down and pray right now is a good time I'm going to let the band just worship they got a beautiful song let's worship together you come pray if you just got saved you just trusted Christ I'd love to shake your hand and just pray for you that's all let's worship